Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is serving stigmatized groups of people and helping them in support of their healing process. I'm working on condensing that sentence down into an effective one-sentence mission statement for the nonprofit. What's going to happen is we're going to be paying for people to get therapy after they're struggling with a diagnosis or any sort of a traumatic event and they find themselves at Something Positive for Positive People. Today, I'm here with the hosts of the Just Keeps swinging podcast who i owe apologies to because the very first time that we tried to record i was not in the best of head spaces so there were four or five podcast recordings that i tried to get done over the last 30 ish days and i hadn't realized my breakup with my partner i had been with for two years and three months the after effects hit me so it's kind of like an earthquake the earthquake's over but then there's the aftermath that you kind of have to deal with that you don't really notice until it's there and so it was just things like i had to move i had to work out the moving process and getting into the place and still like making myself get up go to work work out and do all the things that i was normally doing and it hit me i think probably the same day that we tried to record our podcast that i probably just needed to step back for a minute and allow myself to really like grieve and let go of everything that was going on around me. So everything was just a lot more frustrating than usual. So there was wind that was howling for whatever reason. I didn't know if that was going to be a regular thing or what, but there's also construction next to where I moved to, which I love the place. It's a great place, but setting up the recording, like you can probably see that I'm in a weird part of the closet, but I have it set up (laughs) to where it's absorbing sound very well. I got this curtain here that's really thick and very good about absorbing the sound. All of my clothes are behind me. I just haven't figured out how to get it to where you can see me while I talk. (laughs) I think I'll get a ring light or something. So if anybody wants to donate a ring light or make a donation specifically for a ring light, that'd be awesome. And we'd have great podcast episodes recorded. So yeah, I want to thank you first off for working with me on the scheduling because we met, we talked and it was like, oh, let's hurry up and record this. And it just ended up not being a very good podcast on my end. I just wasn't able to be present. Now I'm in a much better headspace overall to be able to get back to having these conversations. So thank you. Yeah, I would like for you both to introduce yourself. So I have Mr. and Mrs. Sting from the Just Keep Swinging podcast. So tell me a little bit about the podcast. We'll just go from there. Sure. Our podcast is, as you can tell on the title, is a swinging podcast. Yeah, for so, uh, like sports, right? You want to swing the bat, yeah, exactly. golf club, golf tennis swing, racket. You want to your baseball. golf swing or your baseball swing. Yeah, sure. Or swing dancing, whatever it is, you know. Uh, we're the resource for that. <laughs> no. All right. You're going to get a whole lot of athletes reaching out to you. <laughs> and I think even in the, in the, uh, the non-monogamous, we're not a very good resource in the non-monogamous swinging, but <laughs> we're, we're okay. Um, yeah, we host a swinging, or I, we like to call ourselves ethically non-monogamous. We just falls under that swinging umbrella because I think most people at least have an idea of you know what swinging is, right? Oh, yeah. There's lots of different people have their ideas, but uh, that's that's the umbrella we fall under. We kind of accept that and we play with it. I've wondered: is there a difference between non-monogamy and ethical non-monogamy? Like, why is there? Why are those labeled? The ethical part just comes from, you know, non-monogamy is just having sex outside. Yeah, it's having sex outside of your marriage, right? So with, with people other than your your primary partner. So that's non-monogamy. You know, not having sex with just one person. And then the ethical, uh, ethical part. 
I'm going to assume you just, it's where everyone knows about each yeah. other or, okay. Right. And you do it and you could probably take it a little bit further than that and just say that you're trying to do it in a ethical manner. So there's, we're above board on everything. We're a partnership about this. We treat the people that we interact with ethically as well. A nicer way to say it. The other term now is consensual non-monogamy. Is, is used a lot, too, and they're very simple. Is there a difference between casual sex and non-monogamy? Well, that's a good question. Well, you're throwing the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say that for the sake of there being, like, a right or wrong answer. I guess a better way for me to word it would have been looking at how I see casual sex defined and how I see non-monogamy defined. Maybe in dating, for instance. Maybe I'm not communicating to everyone that I am sexually active with multiple people because if I'm dating casually, I'm dating for whatever purpose I'm dating, whether it be to be in a relationship or whether there be no intention at all. I feel like when I hear non-monogamy, each relationship is important and there's consciousness to it. So when I hear people say, you know, I'm non-monogamous or I'm ethically non-monogamous, I almost hear co-creating relationships, whatever it may look like. So it could be casual sex. It could be a long-term relationship, including other sexual partners. But it just seems like the communication piece is there when we say ethically non-monogamous versus just having casual sex. And I understand that casual sex is under the umbrella of non-monogamy. But when you add that ethical or consensual word in there, that's it's just like conscious communication injected there. Also, and I think the reason why we use it is because it comes out of a partnership, right? So we are in a partnership with somebody. And that traditionally, that would be a monogamous relationship. When your sexual attention, all your attention is going to one other person. You did a really good job at defining that. Oh, I've been surrounded by lots of content because this has been something that I've been interested in. Like I've not developed language for it until maybe four or five years ago. And even Uh then I was uh, casually dating. I didn't recognize it for myself as non-monogamous, but people that I casually dated have been non-monogamous or they were polyamorous or um, in an open relationship. And it was just always interesting to me that so many people had a different word. And then, you know, ultimately what it came down to is just that it's kind of a spectrum rather than just specific categories. You're polyamorous or non-monogamous and like treating these things as the being separate rather than being on the spectrum. Right. It's given me the language to understand and communicate where I am and where other people are. And it just makes for so much more fluid communication. And even in, you know, in the realms of non-monogamy, we slide up and down that scale, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, at least the way we operate we don't have super hard, you know, hard and fast rules. If we were going to describe ourselves, I'm would probably be more towards the polyamorous end of that spectrum, and she might be a little bit more on the. You want to answer <laughs> the slutty side? <laughs> the slutty side of the scale. I don't know how how to. I guess for me, we started using the ethical non-monogamy because we've been married over thirty years. Congratulations. And Thank you. And I mean, with our parents and our kids and our, and our church, it's like we wanted something that we could say, not that my parents know or his parents know, <laughs> but just so that we could describe it in a way that felt right for us because we're not cheating on each other. We know what we're doing. We've talked about it. And I think that's why we stuck with ethical non-monogamous because honestly, we didn't know what swinging was eight years ago. 
we just knew that we had a really good relationship with this other couple that we really liked and we enjoyed. When that ended, we wanted it to continue and we found out about all what the language. Was. Oh, yeah. yeah right, and right. learned the language. All right. right. So, wait a minute. Go back to where you said church. I, I, you did, <laughs> what? Well, we've always been very active in church. I was in youth ministry when I was young and we were in music ministry. And I taught catechism and. And I've also served at church. We've been involved in church since kids. It's been a big part of our lives. It's actually what brought, us, brought together. us together. So it was yeah, interesting. we've actually known each other since we were like eight years old. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a beautiful story. Well, what church, if you don't mind me asking? Like, what uh, religion? We're Catholic. Has there been any sort of a conflict of beliefs and values and the lifestyle for you? No, because for us, our treading into the lifestyle or non-monogamy came from a point of love. We kind of fell into this organically because we had friends that we had for a long time. We were at each other's weddings and our relationship just was intimate and it matured and over the 20 year span, it became very intimate. We didn't see anything really wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It seemed natural. It was part of our relationship and part of our friendship. Okay. And it's something that we do together. It's not something that we do behind the other's back. And I think that's why. So you never saw it as like being a sin or felt any sort of shame or guilt <laughs> for having well, I think partners I outside your bit. marriage? She did. Uh-huh. I did for a little bit. I, I struggled a little bit with it. I wouldn't say I actually talked to a priest. I think I just listened to another podcast kind of help me see it as it's something that we do together to better our relationship and it's not a sin right because we're not again we're not cheating this isn't causing division in our marriage and we're not hiding anything from each other okay Uh, we like to say that we're transparent i like that so the consent piece is really the focal point here the fact that you are consensually doing this with one another and if you remove the consent element or the transparency then it becomes cheating and then it becomes a sin so it's not like because i'm having sex with someone that isn't my wife or husband that means i am sinning and i'm i'm gonna go to hell or whatever whatever it is that's been taught so I have a lot of questions about this, especially. Yeah, the, the I, 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 we're not the best people to answer. All well, questions. no, this is so. Also, this is a experience based. So this podcast is a hundred percent experience based, unless I bring on someone who has letters behind their name, and then they talk through statistics and language and things like that. We've had Dr. Stephanie K. Webb on here from Unscripted Relationships, and she talks through some of the language around monogamy, non-monogamy, and we talked about that a little bit in the past. You are the first swing or a couple that I've had on here. So all of your experiences are valid and I understand that you are speaking from your personal experience and I just am curious about so much stuff about your relationship. So the fact that you've been married for 30 years, you've known each other since you were eight. Um, We're talking about your involvement with the church and like sex and church to me don't go together. And the way that I hear you talk and how I see you show up together on your podcast 
there's no separation. There's more of like an integration. It's like your relationship is also driven by your faith and the transparency and communication and consent pieces that all play a role in your dedication to one another. And you just happen to, I don't want to use the phrase, use other people, but you use your relationships that you may have with other people as means of enhancing your own relationship. I would like for you to speak a little bit to that. And if I worded that in a way that, you know, that may have come off a little bit different, then you can feel free to rephrase it in a way that makes sense. But I think you know what I mean by the relationships are adding to because you said there's no separation as a result of your lifestyle. There's more of a togetherness. So can you speak to that part a little bit? I mean, when we started in lifestyle, we thought we had to play together as in we had to find that four-way connection and which was great with our friends. But in reality, going to meet and greets, going to house parties, going to different things, we, we realized that I have a different attraction or easier attraction. We joke about that I'm a slut and he's a little bit slower paced and which is fine. What it really comes down to is that there isn't jealousy when we play with other people. We're both fully aware of what's going on. We're both... I, I think I want to roll that back and say that what makes it more connected for the two of us by us having relationships, whether it be friendships or even more intimate relationships with other people, is that the basis of our relationship is compersion. You know, our definition, without looking it up in a dictionary, basically is we find joy and pleasure and happiness in seeing the people we love, including Mrs. Sting, experiencing pleasure and happiness and joy. When we see each other flirting with somebody else or being complimented by somebody else or spending time just being people with other people and that joy whether we're both involved or just the other one is that instead of that causing a rift between the two of us or a little bit of unease it it does the opposite it reminds us of how special that person is to us and it reminds us my wife is so hot that everybody is like wants to talk to her it's not a possessive thing it's just a joy and happiness that comes from that it's a nice bonding feeling and there'll be times where i'll be texting i'll say one of my girlfriends but you know i'll be texting somebody saying good night and then what do i do instead of rolling over away from mrs sting i'm rolling into mrs sting and i'm holding her because i'm happy and that she's letting me do this right she's not over there upset that i'm texting somebody it's like we're both happy in the knowledge that we have these relationships and we have these people in our lives that make our lives better. It's a very bonding thing. I'm curious about the anonymity piece. So as swingers doing the podcast, you have your alias. It seems that people in the lifestyle, I don't understand fully what the need is for anonymity. Is it because people who are swingers are typically like some well-known attorney or something? Or like, what's the need for the aliases? Usually it's just to protect ourselves. People that don't understand it will judge you. And my job is such that if someone were to start talking about it or start judging, 
I would not have my job. I'm not going to get into details about the field or anything like that, but I've found that there seems to be a similar discrimination for people who have a positive STI status. I normally interview people with STDs about their experience, but this is a very interesting point you bring up because I know people who, because their STI status got out, it created, quote, drama in the workplace and they were subtly let go or bullied out of a position or their hours were cut. And there's a legit fear. Like if you work with kids, for instance, parents not wanting their children to be around a certain type of person. So I'm going to just imagine that that's similar to what the case is if someone finds out you're a swinger. But what I don't get is how is it that we live in a society where if a man has multiple partners or if a woman, let's say, is in sales and flirts all the time, like these are the kinds of things that are praised and welcome. But if someone's consensually in a relationship with someone and their partner knows that they're actively intimate with other people, why is it that this is frowned upon? I almost feel like it's like a jealousy. The people who hating are the people who just right. can't do that. It's a very good question because I really think it is. It really just, I think, now it comes down to people don't understand. In my profession, if you're cheating and people find out about it, you could lose your job. Oh, wow. And people look down on you. Yeah, we joke about the fact that sometimes it, it's less stigmatized to be cheating, to be a cheater, than it is to consensually have sex with people outside your marriage. You know, part of that might go back to the people don't understand it. So there's a stigma there. And there is a good share of people that wish they could do it. Yeah. And if they can't have it, then no one can have it. It's crazy that these people have so much influence on stigma. These people who are not involved with the lifestyle probably have no idea what it's like to be involved with the lifestyle and who've probably conformed to the heteronormative beliefs that societies projected on us, you know, forever ago. They've gone through the process of getting to the point in life where they are, where they probably got the person that they were supposed to be with. They got the job, they got the house, the animals, the kids, and they're just unhappy in life because they pursued the American dream and they're unhappy because they're sort of living a lie and then you come along or people who are living the kind of life that they've chosen to co-create come along and they really reflect back to them their just how unhappy they are so to see like a couple like you as an example able to openly communicate that they have attraction for other people and still be able to maintain the relationship that you have and add to it and just contribute to the happiness that you experience with one another and other partners. I don't think people don't understand it. People are jealous, in my opinion. That's what it seems to be for me. If you're getting any sort of shaming or blaming at all or stigmatization, that it's coming from a place of I'm lying to myself about how happy I am. And here you are actually happy. And I don't know how to deal with this. So shame on you for having sex with someone other than your wife, because I can't have sex with someone other than my wife. Like you said, some of that comes from our upbringing, our religious backgrounds, you know, social backgrounds or traditional backgrounds. And you carry that with you. And then you want to impose what you think is right on other people. So it's both things. Has there ever been anyone that you did open up to and you received that kind of judgment? Like, have you told someone, yeah, we're swingers, and they've been like, ew, gross, get the fuck away from me, or anything like that? No. No, because I am very careful. Not as careful as he'd like me to be, but I'm very careful with who I tell. 
Is there like a knowing, like intuitively? Do you just gauge people for open-mindedness or what? Like what lets you know that a person is safe enough to open up to about your lifestyle? I've only told two people. One was a friend who had left her husband and just is very worldly and it seemed okay. Well, she was a very caring, very caring person, open-hearted person, yes. very intelligent yes. and very close to you. Yes. And so it just seemed to be okay. And it to seemed finish. to be okay. Right now, somebody else found out. Whoa, somebody but found out. it was kind out? of weird because it was just a conversation and she goes, what, are you swingers or something? And I just sort of looked at her like, what? And she goes, well... You didn't deny it. I'm like, uh, I have a hard time lying. I just said, well, why would you think that? And what do you, and it was interesting because then she just had 101 questions. And so I haven't answered all of them yet. I don't tell anybody because I don't want people to judge me by that part of my life. I am a whole person. This is one part of it. And it's something I do with my husband. It's our business. It's not the world's business. Yeah. I don't need the whole world to know. I saw something posted on Instagram. So I follow a lot of sex positive accounts and sex educators. And uh, Lorraine, we had from Sweaty Girl Problems on the podcast before. She recently shared something that I found to be very uh, eye-opening. She shared that how she engages with men in particular. Uh, she's a very attractive woman, uh, straight presenting. And if she goes on a date, they'll assume because of her work, her Instagram account, that it's just so openly slutty and sex positive that that's how they look at her. Like, oh, she's probably good in bed. I'm going to do this to you or we're going to do this. And they fail to see the whole person. But when you find yourself in environments and communities of sex positivity and where people are more open-minded and uh, even at like play parties and kink events you find yourself surrounded by people who see the whole person now mind you you're in a super sexually charged atmosphere and you're seen as a whole person but then you go somewhere where you are hoping to connect with a whole person minus i mean sex positivity included but that's like laser focused on all they see so my question to you is uh do you feel like there's kind of a depressurization when you step into the world of swinging or um, if you're with another couple or maintaining a relationship versus if you weren't there's probably a better way for me to ask this this is how you know I'm back to normal because I do this a lot where I have a question and I drag <laughs> it out like this so what I'm envisioning just based on what you're saying and what she said and what I've experienced is if I deprive myself of the thing that I want to do then I'm wanting to do it more so she's going on dates with people outside of the sex positive community out in the wild let's call it that if i swipe with someone on bumble we go out for a date i tell them what i do and now they just completely laser focus in on this one piece of me that's kind of how you feel if someone finds out you're a swinger that's not right. a part of the lifestyle and they're only focused on that and they've got 101 questions about that rather than focusing on you as a whole person in play space do you just feel more free to be a whole human yes yeah oh. when we're hanging out with our friends who are lifestyle positive, we are totally ourselves. Yeah. And then when I go out with my work friends, it's really hard because I don't have a problem with talking. But I have to, you know, especially, and this is how the other person found out the other day, was just, you go to a lot of parties. What are you doing this weekend? Going to a party. Where? Um, we don't have the address yet. You know, it's just like, I can't tell people that we go to parties every weekend. I'm not free to share all that stuff with people that I have known for a long, long time. Going back to the, the party thing, 
Play space. Is that a good but, word? Yeah, I like that word. Okay. I like that word. Because it could be a, a number of different things. But we found swinging because we had this relationship with our friends that became very intimate that ended. Mrs. Sting already mentioned that. But that was such an important relationship for us. And we wanted to be able to find that kind of relationship again. We didn't want to take 20 years, right, <laughs> developing a relationship to get to that point again, right? And where are you going to find people who are open to that? And it's going to be in an environment, sex-positive environment. Everybody there may not follow the same structure. They may follow the same structure, but they're open to it, right? And they're, they're trying to be real, and they're trying to be whole people. That's the environment where you're going to find those people. It's interesting the dynamic in which we see people, how and where we feel the most expressive and free to express versus where we feel the tiniest and we're not able to express ourselves. A great example would be for me personally, when I didn't want people to know that I had herpes, I felt like I couldn't be myself. And then when I got into spaces where everybody knew that I had herpes, I was louder. I was more funny. My personality came out. It's like my light was dimmed when I wasn't in a safe space. I guess that would be a good equivalent there so like the people that we really don't want to shine our light around are really light dimmers so like they're just wanting to dim our shit and focus on this one piece of us you know as far as our podcast goes when i heard your podcast heard about your show and uh, the reason why i reached out is because we started our podcast because we caught an sti at the beginning of our swinging journey we couldn't find any resources in that space, we listen to lots of swinging podcasts and stuff, but people talk about, oh, they'll have the STI episode, right? They'll talk about STIs, and they'll talk about, oh, uh, you know, it's not a life-ending thing, and it's not a big deal, and get yourself tested, you know, all this stuff that, and I'm not discounting any of that, because um, it's all important conversations to have, and it needs to be repeated, you know, a lot. The difference was is that we were going through a diagnosis. We were going through the fear of waiting for a diagnosis. We were waiting and dealing with the aftermath of it. And we had no role model for that. No one else in that space was talking about it or had experienced it. And we just felt like there needed to be a resource or there needed to be somebody talking about it from a swinging perspective. And that's why we started the podcast. It's really more for our sanity, you know, it helped us talk through it and work through it and give us a focus. And hopefully it was therapy for us, but we would hope that by broadcasting it, that if somebody out there might hear it, who needs to hear it? Because it can be, like you know, it can be devastating, regardless of what it is, for some people to get told that they have an STI And how is that going to change my life? And it's important for people to be able to figure that out. Now, we're not going to go into the details. I thought about this. I was like, why would I have them reshare what they shared in the podcast about their actual experience with it? So we'll just direct people to that podcast episode. So if they want to listen to that, they can check out Just Keep Swinging podcast episode seven, right? The Celibate Swingers. We called it Celibate Swingers. That's how we titled that episode. Are you going to continue to do the podcast? Are there going to be more episodes beyond just the experience with the STIs? We did that. That was our first season, and we're two and a half years in now. So we've kind of branched out 
it's still really more of a diary. We Ooh. don't really have outlines. We don't have goals. We share stuff yeah. on the podcast. Cool. And sometimes we share literally turn on the thing and have a conversation. And <laughs> That's how that I do wrong. this. <laughs> you know, it's that wrong. And a lot of it is just like we have a question or someone makes a comment and we'll respond to it. And just the two of us, you know, while we're going somewhere or whatever, and we record that and we put that in an episode. So it really is like us writing in our journals or our diaries, you know, how we're feeling with things and how certain experiences affected us or our doubts, Mm -hmm. right, and our accomplishments. It's not very educational, you know, and we don't have a, a mission except for to show that here is a couple who were doing this non-monogamy thing. We caught an STI and we can overcome that. And we just keep swinging. And we just keep swinging. I do appreciate that. I appreciate that you're doing this for yourselves and in doing it for yourselves. I'm sure even if there's one person, just like you say, if one person finds it and it relates to them and they, it, it really resonates with them and it's something that they can, that can really support their own healing process. And however many episodes you do, it was worth it for that one person, because exactly. I'm sure if you exactly. had this kind of a resource initially, when you were diagnosed, it would have just completely changed the experience that you had. So again, y'all want to go check that out. It's episode seven of the just keep swinging podcast with mr and mrs sting so we'll link to your podcast in the show notes um how can people find you on social media so we're pretty limited so the only social media that we're really active on is twitter you can find us at jk swinging pod or mrs sting at jk swinging pod both of those are on twitter and gmail we're on gmail so if you want to shoot us a note uh, that way, then it'd be just keep swinging pod at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you both for your time. And um, I appreciate all the kind words that you had in our conversations. I appreciate you being patient with me throughout this process. So um, I'm looking forward to getting this edited and getting it uploaded. And then um, I'll be in touch with you over the next couple of weeks to get this thing up. All right. Thank you, Courtney. Thank I really you. enjoyed our time with you. Appreciate it.